order to do that, you've got to do something physical that shows that you've taken a step towards repentance. And so baptism was this submersion in water, and, it, and what it represented was the water would wash away all of the sin and all of the things that grieved the heart of God. And coming up out of the water was this, this symbolism of a new life. You've been washed clean. And so Jesus got, and when you read about it in the Gospel of John, the, uh, John the Baptist says that God revealed to him that when he sees someone that the Spirit is descending on, that that was the Messiah, that was the, that was the one that was going to have the message of God, that his baptism, Jesus' baptism, would be different. Jesus wasn't going to baptize with water, he was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. So John sees Jesus and he's like, no, 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 I can't baptize you, you're the, you're the Messiah, you're the one that, your baptism's going to be different, it's not going to be baptism with water, you're, you're going to go and you're going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit of God. John realized Jesus was already perfect, John realized Jesus is God in the flesh, and so he resists this idea of baptizing Jesus. But Jesus says, no, this must be done. And there's all kinds of reasons why Jesus went through with baptism. Uh, the, the, the main one being that Jesus actually was fully obedient to all of the laws and commands of God. So he goes through this, this ritual of, of, of baptism. But in that moment, and you see it in the picture, uh, in that moment he comes out of the water and there's this divine heavenly encounter. Jesus Christ comes out of the water and this, this dove-like creature, and all of the gospels say the same thing, the, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. So we don't even fully know what it looked like, but there was this physical um, being that was like a dove that descended on Jesus, and then the heavens opened, and a voice proclaims, this is my son whom I, with whom I am well pleased. So in that moment, at the baptism of Jesus, you've got Jesus in the flesh, okay? He's, he's God in the flesh, and you've got the Holy Spirit that is visible to people, and the voice of God that people could hear, and all at once, you see God has revealed three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is this incredible, it's this divine moment. And, and the first, I just want to, so today what we're going to look at is that the, the triunity of God, okay, I want you to just bear with me with this, is paradoxical, it's the source of love, and it's invitational. Okay, so it's paradoxical. Um, a paradox is a statement that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality expresses a possible truth. Okay, you can put that up there. Andrew. So a paradox, and you have to know this about the Trinity, it's a statement that seems self-contradictory. How can one thing be three? How can three things be one? It's just this, like, it just seems contradictory. It seems to not make sense. I'm going to give you some examples of of paradox, okay? Um, Let me just read these really brief sentences to you and just tell me what you think when you hear them. If I know one thing, it's that I know nothing. Okay? That's a paradox. Uh, I like this one. Deep down, you're really shallow. Uh, This one really messed with my mind. The second sentence is false. The first one is true. Okay? Uh, Oscar Wilde says, I can resist anything but temptation. Okay? A paradoxical statement, less is more. So, So this, like, paradox is something that, like, it seems... It seems false, but there's truth in it, okay? And some of those paradoxical statements were just like kind of nonsensical. But we, ex- we encounter paradoxes in our everyday lives, and sometimes we don't know what to do with them. I would say the, the triunity of God is the most important paradox that anybody will ever encounter. God is three, but he's one. So there's a reason for why God is three, but he's one. 
And we can make a little bit of sense of that with our minds, but it's our heart that God is really after. But before we get to the heart, I want you to understand a little bit about the paradox. The, the Christianity, okay, is the only major world religion that teaches that God is three in one. And so I have a little diagram. Okay, it is up here. So to understand that this is like a, a diagram that, that ancient Christians used to try to teach about God's triunity, okay? So God is the Son, Jesus. He is the Father. He is the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit. Make sense? We, we're still tracking? Okay. So it's just a little diagram that helps try to make sense of it. God is distinct. He is three and he is one. Trinitarian uh, math goes like this. There should, there should be a slide for this. One plus one plus one equals one. Okay? One plus one plus one equals one. And so what we're saying about God's triunity is that God, yes, he is one, but he is also three. I'm going to read to you, and this will be up on the screen. Uh, our denomination that we're part of is the Wesleyan Church, and this is the, uh, from the Wesleyan Articles of Religion. This is the statement on God's triunity. It says, we believe in the one living and true God, both holy and loving, eternal unlimited in power, wisdom, and goodness, the creator and preserver of all things. Within this unity, there are three persons of one essential nature, power, and eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this idea of God's triunity, it existed in the Old Testament, but it wasn't something that had been fleshed out, okay? But on the opening pages of the Bible, if you go to the first couple chapters of Genesis, when God talks about creating human beings, he looks around and he says, let us create men in our image. It's, it's a mysterious statement. Who's God talking to? Who does he mean by us, right? It's this like kind of baffling statement. In the Old Testament, there wasn't real, really language for God's existence as, as triune, and Jesus made sense of it, okay? But I want you to know that there was, it was really tough if you're an Old Testament believer, follower of God, follower of Yahweh, the idea that God is three was preposterous. It was crazy, okay? One of the main uh, prayers uh, in ancient Israel, so before Jesus came, is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and, and it's the Shema, and it goes like this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So there's this statement in there that God is one. Okay? So ancient Jews had this idea of like God is one. And they were actually ridiculed for it because if you study uh, ancient nations around the same time as the Jews, everybody worshipped multiple gods. When, when the Israelites were in Egypt, the Egyptians were famous for having a god of the sun, a god of the river, a god of the insects. And so when, when, you, when you see uh, God setting the people of Israel free in the book of Exodus, he sends these 10 plagues upon the Egyptians. And do you know that each one of those plagues corresponds with an Egyptian idea of a some god? Like, God was actually revealing to this ancient people group. He's saying, I'm superior to your sun god, to the god of the frogs, to the god of the rivers. I'm, I am the one true god. That's what God was revealing in those 10 plagues. And so the Israelites had this idea. They were like, God is one. They were called monotheists. And all of the other peoples in those days thought they were just crazy. 
What do you mean one God? Who controls the wind if you've only got one God? There's supposed to be somebody for the wind and somebody for the fire and somebody, like they had all these ideas, right? And God revealed Himself to the Israelites as one God. But then as people developed in the relationship, God reveals a little bit more about who He is. He doesn't say everything all at once. God gave hints, even in the Old Testament, of the fact that there's three in one, right? And so when Paul, this, uh, this, this believer, okay, so Paul wrote, you know, major part of the New Testament, and he, he was famously a staunch Israelite who was, who was completely dedicated to the Old Testament, and he wanted to just eradicate Christians from the earth, okay? He was very, very committed to his faith in Yahweh, this one God. And, and Paul famously has this encounter with Jesus where Jesus reveals to Paul who he is. And he says, Paul, you're, you're kicking against the goads, he says. You're, you're, com- you're coming against me and you don't realize it, but I'm God. And Paul, is, he's knocked off his horse. He has this vision of Jesus. And all of a sudden, God transforms Paul's life. He went from being a Christian killer to the biggest preacher of the gospel in the ancient world. Like God just did this radical work in him. And Paul goes from having just an understanding of God as like, just one to, to God as triune. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So Paul, he's got this, he's got this incredible revelation of who Jesus is, and he starts to understand God, he's, he's one, but he's three. He's Father, he is Son, he is Holy Spirit. Paul accepted this truth. And so intellectually, he came to this understanding of it. But I think even deeper than that, Paul had actually entered into a relationship with this triune God. And so when he was praying for the people in Corinth, this verse that that, that I read, he's praying to God. He's asking they be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's asking that their hearts would be turned into, uh, tuned into Jesus. And it's a radical change of belief from what he used to believe to what happened after he encountered Jesus. He came to understand that God is three, but he's one. There's a, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but you can put it up there, Andrew. There's a, uh, few, a couple hundred years after Jesus' resurrection, the Christians got together and they wrote what's called the Nicene Creed. And, and Christians, for centuries after the resurrection of Christ, they were wrestling with their understanding of God because there was all kinds of fights about who God is and what it means to know Him and serve Him. And so they had to wrestle through what they believed about these things. And, and so I just I threw it up on the screen. You can, you can look it up if you type Nicene Creed into your phone or if you look it up online, you can find it. Um, but this is a, a famous statement that the, the early Christians came to, to to make the statement that God is three in one. And before I go to the, the source of love, and this is just the, the intellectual kind of side of it, so you can see the development of this thinking. Um, the next slide, Andrew, talks about, and I've got something written kind of under each one here, that God is he's triune, so the Father is revealed as creator, providential caregiver of the world, lawgiver, judge, promotes justice, resists injustice. The Son is Savior of humanity, it's Jesus, Lord, prophet, priest, present and coming king, brother, sibling, friend. Holy Spirit is advocate, comforter, inspirer, intercessor, empower, sanctifier, gift giver of spiritual fruit. So it is paradoxical, okay? You can leave that that slide up there for a second, Andrew. So God is three and he's one. And when he reveals himself to us 
that way, it's, it's, meant, it's intended to be relational. Okay, and, and so I'm not like getting, I'm not solving all of the intellectual questions with this. Um, I will say, when you start to get a little bit of an understanding of God as three and one, and then you get to the book of Revelation, it talks about the seven spirits of God. <laughs> Things get even more uh, interesting. And, and chat. like God is this being that is absolutely beyond what our mind can fully understand. But God actually, in His grace, reveals Himself to us because He loves you and I. And it is His desire to be in relationship with us. And so our understanding of God develops as we see Him as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But remember that He is three in one. And so that's kind of the little bit of the like, uh, journey towards Christian belief in God as three in one. And I want to just get to the heart of this because I think this is the core of our understanding of God as triune is that, so first it's paradoxical, but the triunity of God, okay, I want you to hear this, it is the source of love. Like, do you, do you, I want you to understand this, and I've talked about this before um, when we've talked about the Holy Spirit, but God at the very core of His being is love. You know that? Like, if God, I'm going to read a, a quote from, from Tim Keller, it'll be on the screen, and then we'll, we'll flesh it out. Uh, Tim Keller says, if God is unipersonal, so if He's just one, then until God created other beings, there was no love. Since love is something that one person has for another, this means that a unipersonal God was power, sovereignty, and greatness from all eternity, but not love. Love, then, is not of the essence of God, nor is it at the heart of the universe. Power is primary. However, if God is triune, which He is, then loving relationships in community are the great fountain at the center of reality. When people say God is love, I think they mean that love is extremely important or that God really wants us to love. But in the Christian conception, God really has love at His essence. If He was just one person, He couldn't have been loving for all eternity. So do you, do you see this? Like God's uh, revelation to us as triune, what it means is that at the very core of His being, God is love. That when God made you and I, when He made Brian and Simona, when He made Elan and Patty, like when God made us, He didn't make us because he was lonely and he was looking for somebody to have relationship with. He didn't even make us because he wanted to show off his power to someone. God already existed in a loving relationship before he created any other being. So if, if God is only unipersonal, if there's no trinity, then at, at the core of his being, the only thing God is is power. And then he creates other beings to show off that power in some way. But that's not at all who God is. At the very core of His being, God is relational. God is love. And so within the Trinity, you see these distinct beings that have perfect love for each other and perfect unity. You know, the beauty of the Trinity is that you've got Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I I mapped it out up here. They, They all have different roles that they fill, but they actually operate in perfect unity. Does our world operate in perfect unity? Like, you know, the, the thing about God's triunity, what I believe He's getting across to us is He's revealing to us what it truly looks like to operate in community. If you've ever experienced brokenness in your relationships, okay, when you think about marriage, I want you to think about your relationship with your children. I want you to think about, we were praying this morning and we were talking about some of the crises that are happening in the world, places like Pakistan. 
Haiti. I met with a pastor a couple weeks ago who lives in Haiti. And, and he was, there was a group of us on this call, and he shared with us, he said, he's got one week left in his hotel room, and beyond that, he wasn't sure whether he'd even be alive. He was on this, we prayed for him, and he talked about the, the gangs in Haiti that were rising up against the government, and there's this coup, and, and he, he talked about actually having this peace with God, but there's such tension in his country that he wasn't sure what was going to happen beyond a week. Well, I got off that call, and then I drove back to Thunder Bay, and he was on my mind all week, and then I, I tried to look him up, and he's just completely dropped off the map. The guy that was facilitating the call can't reach him anymore. Like, it was just, it was jarring for me, right? But the tensions that are going on in that country right now are just crazy. And you know what the, the triunity of God reveals to us? You know what God is inviting us into? He's saying, look at what I have Within my own, within the Godhead is this perfect relationship of perfect unity and perfect love with three beings that are distinct, but they're one. And you know that God invites you and I into that kind of relationship. So when we see just absolute chaos in the world, when we see disarray, when we see things just going haywire, like God is revealing to us through his triunity, he's saying, look, this perfect relationship, there's perfect unity, perfect love. That's what we're invited into. That was God's plan for humanity when he created us. You know that? So when we look around this world and we see the chaos and we see breakdown in families and breakdown in marriages and breakdown politically and breakdown everywhere we look, God, the whole purpose that Jesus came was he came to restore you and I back to perfect relationship with him. And he's saying, you're invited into the relationship that I've had with my father since before the beginning of time. The perfect relationship with perfect unity, where we're submitted to each other in God's perfect will. I listened to a, a podcast recently. Um, there's a guy, you might know the name, Rain Wilson. He plays Dwight Schrute in, in The Office, okay? Um, I'm not, by the way, promoting The Office, okay? But um, I was really interested in this podcast because Rain Wilson, he's a pretty well-known comedian, and he was having a conversation uh, with a guy named Russell Moore, who's a, a well-known Christian and uh, leads a magazine publication called Christianity Today, and he had Rain Wilson on his podcast, and Rain was talking about his 10 years, I think it was, of making this show The Office. And, and Rain Wilson, by the way, he's probably one of the most recognizable faces in comedy, okay? Dwight Schrute, if you're, if you're ever online, you've probably seen memes with his face. He just plays this really funny character, and he was, he was on this podcast talking to a Christian, and he's going through a spiritual crisis right now. And, and he doesn't adhere to the Christian faith. He kind of adheres to what he would call like a spiritual faith. It's, this, it's the, uh, a belief in Baha'i, which is kind of multiple faiths all at once. Um, and he's kind of gone back to his roots. And he was talking to Russell Moore, this Christian podcaster, about it. And, and he, you know what he said on the podcast? It was really interesting. He talked about how he was making The Office, which has become one of the most famous shows on TV. People have rewatched it over and over again. And he said, you know, I just wish I could go back and appreciate what I had while I was making The Office. He said, because the whole time I was making it, I was looking at other comedians like Jack Black and Seth Rogen, and I was just, I was, felt like I was missing something because I wasn't getting the same gigs they were getting. I wasn't getting as much fame as they were getting. I wasn't getting asked to do big movies like they, like they were doing. And I've heard countless people that are famous and that have achieved a lot by the world standards talk like that, where there's just like, there's this uneasiness, there's this longing for more. And you know that the triunity of God actually answers that question. There's a famous quote from a Christian from hundreds of years ago. He said, he said, 
God, you have made us for yourself, and Lord, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You know that the hearts of humanity are restless until we find our rest in God. And God's triunity reveals to us exactly what he's looking for in a relationship with people. And God's triunity reveals to us what he desires for our relationships with each other to look like. Like, isn't that, like, and that's what Jesus prays for in John 17, and we've read that a lot together, and I encourage you if you want to go home from this and and read John chapter 17, but Jesus actually prays that you and I would experience that kind of unity with each other, the kind of unity that he's experienced with his Father since the beginning of time. So at the heart of God revealing himself as triune, it's this uh, revelation to us that he is the source of love. At his very core, more than he's, he's power, he's love. And he created you and I so that he could invite us into this relationship of love. God, and and the last thing is that God is invitational. So he loves you and I deeply. I'm going to put, this is the image we're going to leave on the screen until we uh, close with communion, but you can put it up on the screen, Andrew. And I've showed this before. When we talked about the Holy Spirit and we've talked about the Trinity before, uh, there's a famous picture, and if you go into the, the abbey, this is actually up on the wall. Um, it's called Rublev's Icon, and this guy Rublev, he just had these uh, pictures in his mind of God's revelation as triune, and so he, he drew out um, these three beings that are in perfect communion with each other, and, and this icon was intended for people like you and I to think about God as triune, and, and you'll notice, and it's so beautiful, you'll notice in this picture that there's a space at the table. You see that? So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you and I are invited into this relationship. The ancient uh, Christians, they use this word perichoresis, which is where we get our word choreography from, to describe the relationship within the Godhead, that there's this divine dance. There's this divine dance of Father, Son, Holy Spirit in perfect relationship and communion with each other. And you and I are invited into that. You know, and that's why, like, to be a follower, and maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. But do you know why there's so much emphasis on, you know, confessing your sin to turn to Jesus? It's because all of us, every single person, has embraced ideas that are not of God. We've all embraced disarray. We've all embraced violence in some way. We've all embraced sin in some way that puts us out of this perfect unity with God as triune. And Jesus came, the whole reason Jesus came, and this is at the center of the gospel, Jesus came and he said, like, I've created you all for relationship. I've created you to be in relationship with, with me. And since you've, you've rejected it, since you've, you've gone away from it, I'll come and I'll be the perfect sacrifice. So Jesus comes in in grace and mercy and sacrifices himself on our behalf. And the invitation is he says, if you believe in me, if you put your faith in me, I'll restore you to perfect relationship with God. And so this, this, the triunity of God is invitational that, that you and I are actually invited into a relationship with the triune God. And, and, before we close, and we're going to do communion together. Um, 
One of the things that I continually struggle with, and if you're here around long enough, you'll hear me talk about it, but just like the things that go on in our world, it grieves my heart. Like the division, and, and even now, I think specifically in Canada, so I'm not talking about the whole world at this point, but just in Canada, there is so much division in our world. There are groups that advocate for all kinds of different things, and everybody's just split up from each other, advocating for their idea of justice, and they're separating it from God, right? It's like taking one of God's attributes and saying, well, it's only just to think or do this thing, and and they're advocating for justice separated from God, and it's created such uh, division in our country, in our world. And, and one of the reasons that I continue today, to this day, to follow Jesus with my whole heart is because I know the only place that we'll experience perfect love, perfect unity, perfect relationship is in a relationship with God Almighty. And God revealed that to us in His revelation of Him as triune. He's been in this perfect relationship since the, for all eternity where there's mutual love and respect and unity. There's uniqueness, they're different, but there's this perfect oneness and we're invited into that relationship. And so I, I encourage you, as we close with this, I know that it's been kind of, um, in some ways, talking about the triunity of God, there's an abstractness to it. But what I want to emphasize is that what, what I believe God is speaking to us is that He invites us into this perfect relationship. And so whatever you're bringing here with you this Sunday morning, that maybe you look at your life and you see division and you see chaos and you see craziness, that there's hope that as you say yes to God's invitation to be in relationship with Him, He brings restoration to your life and the situations in your life. And there's hope for God's restoration to make all things right one day. That is His promise. I'm going to invite the team to come up, and we're going we're gonna to do communion together today, uh, which is really fitting, talking about God's revelation to us as triune, because Communion is, is an opportunity for you and I to say yes to what Christ has done. And, and it's actually, communion is, is, uh, is an opportunity for us to engage in this relationship with the triune, three-in-one God. And before I read about communion, I just want to also... Um, encourage you, if you're listening to this and you're out of sorts with God, maybe you're, you're, you're hearing about this, this relationship with God and this, this God of perfect love, and you're thinking about some of the things in your life, and maybe there's, there's uh, parts of your life where you know you're resisting God, you're giving in to sinful thoughts or sin, sinful behaviors in some way. Um, if, if that's true of you, I just want to say, like, you're not here today by accident. If God is speaking to you, if He's challenging you in any way, um, I would encourage you that as we practice communion together, as we pray, um, to confess to God what He puts on your heart to confess, to say yes to, to His invitation to be in relationship with Him. Maybe for you that's the first time. Maybe there's somebody here today that's never surrendered your life to Jesus, and you just, maybe, maybe some of this is like, well, I don't really know all of it. I can't fully understand it, but you, you sense God speaking to you. I would encourage you, today's a day to say yes to him. Uh, but maybe, maybe you're somebody here today who is a follower of Jesus, and you just feel like things are disjointed in your life. I think when we think about the triunity of God, 
it's actually encouraging to know that his goal is full unity amongst his people, that there's a day coming where he will restore everything. But that day, for those that put their faith and trust in Jesus, starts now. As we engage in relationship with God, we experience his peace. And he's at work in the midst of our sometimes chaotic situations. Communion is, is this, it's an incredible opportunity for us to celebrate what Christ has done. In, in Mark uh, chapter 14, just before Jesus was arrested, this won't be on the screen, I don't think I, don't think I put it in there. You can just leave that picture up, Andrew. Uh, says this, as they were eating, so this is before Jesus was arrested and taken to the cross, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So Jesus revealed to his followers, he said, uh, the, the, the bread is my broken body, that it's broken for you. The cup is my blood that is spilled for you. And when you and I say yes to Jesus, when we turn from our sinful ways of thinking and we embrace his truth, we actually enter into this relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is the most important relationship that we can engage with of any relationship that we have. And, and so um, I'm just going to invite us to stand together. And, and how we're going to do this is that um, the, the band is going to sing a song. And if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, I want to encourage you to come up. Uh, I'm going to invite um, Randy and, and uh, Jean are going to come up. And uh, they're going to have the, the bread and uh, the juice, and you can come and take that. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, don't, don't come and, and, and do this. Um, it's very clear in Scripture. Jesus says, this is, uh, this is for those that have surrendered their lives to me. Um, but if you're here today and you've not done that, but you sense God stirring your heart, uh, before you come up, I would encourage you, surrender your life to Jesus. Confess to him uh, the things that have been holding you back, the things that are sinful in your life. And then I'd welcome you to come. So if, 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 you're, uh, if God is at work in your heart, this is an opportunity to confess, to make things right, um, and, uh, and, and to submit and surrender your life to him and, and say yes to this invitation to be a part of this relationship with the triune God. So um, I'm going to pray. And then uh, as the band plays, I'll invite you to come. And you can take the, the cup and the bread back to your seat. Uh, and then between songs, we'll, we'll take it together. So let's, let's pray. Lord, we, we just, we thank you, God, for who you are. We just want to celebrate the reality of who you are. God, you've revealed yourself to us as, as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You are, you are one, but you're three. It's beyond what we can understand. But God, we thank you that you've invited us into this relationship with you. And God, I just pray for, for all of us that are here, Lord. Some of us are coming and we've got chaotic situations and difficulties and challenges we're facing in life. And, and Lord, I just pray that as we come and celebrate communion together, that you'd remind us that we're, we're actually in a relationship with the all-powerful, all-loving, all-merciful, all-gracious God. And Lord, that as we take this communion together, that we would be overwhelmed with a sense of your peace and your presence. And Lord, maybe there's people here today that have not surrendered their lives to you and, and they're sensing you speaking to them. May they say yes to you, Jesus. And as they take communion with us, may they sense your presence and your peace, maybe even for the first time. And then third, Lord, I just pray for those maybe that are here that, that, that have not yet surrendered their lives to you and are not going to do that in this moment. I pray they would even just hear your voice this morning 
and hear your call saying, you are my child, you are invited in. I just pray for your peace and blessing to be upon each one today. In Jesus' name.